0: Welcome back. Episode 112 of The Booth Review. And boy, do I wish we were starting this on a better note. You all know what happened last night. I personally am extremely worked up over it. I'm sure that Willett's even more extremely worked up over it because he was actually there. How's things, Will?
1: Things are good, believe it or not. Um, was I feeling, was it like one of the shittiest feelings in the world leaving PNC Arena last night? Yeah. Um, I did not feel good down 2-0. Once again, not a great experience with the fans there. Uh, It's really tough, really tough to be yourself in an environment where your team isn't giving you anything to be happy about. You know, I wanted to be the obnoxious, you know, overzealous Bruins fan that you all know me as when I'm in TD Garden, but I can't do that when we're losing hockey games. So, Maybe me not being at the next two games will change some things. Um, I, I don't know, but I'm doing good. I'm actually kind of optimistic. I woke up feeling pretty optimistic, so I'm I'm doing all right. Uh, how about you? I I'm still
0: annoyed. I, I'm I, I was watching the game at the Red Sox last night because Sydney's from LA. She's an Anaheim fan, so we went to see the Angels play. Missed Shohei pitching. We thought we were going to miss Shohei pitching by a day, as in he was going to pitch the day before. Mm -hmm. Um, But he ended up pitching today against the Red Sox. So I was a little bit upset about that. Uh, But it's always good to get to see Mike Trout play. The Sox lost, so that's even a better day. Um, So, yeah, I was sitting there yelling at my phone (laughs) in Fenway. (laughs) Nice. as, As the game's going on.
1: You know what? Probably still more enjoyable than my experience. So Probably. Yeah. But, look, Game 2, we're going to be going over Game 2 and previewing Game 3, trying to be as optimistic as possible while also being as accurate and correct as possible. Um, Lots to talk about from Game 2. I have a lot of things that I noted that I thought were big things that I think we should talk about. Um, On a... Let's just start with, um, let's start with the goaltending. Why don't Why don't we start there? Because that's what I've got first on my sheet. Swayman's in net for Game Three. Allmark played in Game Two. Uh, he in back-to-back games let up five goals. I understand that there was an empty netter involved in each of those, but at the end of the day, it still goes on his stat. You know, it's a blemish on his record. Ten goals against in two games on the road. Do you think that they should have gone to Swayman earlier? Do you are you a fan of the move, or do you think we should still be backing Allmark in Boston?
0: Now, I was fine with them starting Allmark in Game Two. Um, you know, you can chalk Game One up to Game One jitters, right? Like, I I, I think there's there was no indication to me that Allmark and even in game two, this like included, there was no indication to me that all wasn't playing well. There was one or two goals in game two. Like I think Omar played worse in game two than in game one. I, I, I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt on a, mo- most of the goals in game one game two. There were definitely a few goals there where I was sitting there. I was like, how the fuck did you not save that? Um, But I think, Butch put it best when, you know, when they asked him about the goaltending situation and his media availability today, he goes, look, we're starting Swayman game three, but that's not necessarily to say that it's been Linus's fault that we lost games one and two. We just need someone to be making this. I don't don't think that his exact words were someone to be making the spectacular saves, but that was what was implied by it, right? Where it's like, you know, a, a lot of the goals were in game one specifically were through traffic or got redirected right and so like obviously you can't necessarily blame the goalie for that but you're always asking for the guy to make that save right like regardless of the fact that it's through traffic and or and or redirected like you need the guy who's going to make those crazy ridiculous saves and all hasn't been making them. So you switch to Swayman for game three. I approve of the decision. See if Swayman can come out here, give a boost of energy into the team. Um, I don't think that goaltending is what we need to be focusing on right now, though, to be honest. Um, I mean, like obviously you can't win games when you're giving up five a game. Um, and so the change was warranted, but there are other things that
1: I think are bigger issues. No, oh, I'd agree. I don't think that I I would call goaltending a priority in my mind because I think that it starts at the back end and then moves up from there. Right. I think you need to have trust back there and you just don't have it. You know, not to say that that Allmark's been horrible this series, but I'd, I'd put it this way. I think he's been figured out by the Hurricanes. Right. Yeah. Um, And I think what's pretty apparent that no one's talking about is we're really missing Tuka right now. We really are, yes. which no, you know, as much as everybody wanted to give him shit in his playoff you know, runs in the past, it's very apparent what he brought to the table now that he's retired and you're kind of left in the situation that we're in right now, where Bruce Cassidy is coming from. I completely understand because I have this, I have had similar thoughts the past couple of games, a recurring theme in my mind, at least, at least being a Bruins fan sitting there watching that game was. You're holding your breath every time they're in our zone, the Hurricanes. And that's just that's just how I feel. Like, you're walking on eggshells almost because you feel like at any time, any of those shots could go in. Whereas when it was Tuca, I'd always sit there like, we're okay. He's going to make this save. Even if it's a difficult save to make, even if it's a great play by the Hurricanes, Tuca was going to make that save for you. Again, not to say that marks has been bad or that these have been soft goals by any means, but... I look to the first goal last night um, from Carolina. The specifically this goal, but it's true of other ones too. The one where they went cross ice on the one timer that got kind of tipped by Cliffs, and I forget who scored it. Um, it wasn't Jarvis, I don't think, but it was. It was. Oh, was was it Jesper Foss?
0: Yes, I think Foss had goal one. He had goal one yes.
1: or two. It, I think it was him. He had the one timer. Um, great play. So yes. Yeah. So his goal immediately in my mind, I thought you have to have that. And no, I'm not coming at that from a, that's a soft goal. I kind of trickled in standpoint for me. It was the Bruins had all the momentum coming out in that game, right? They came out very hot. They had pressure. I think they had seven or eight shots in the first few minutes. Carolina had like one or two, right? We had numerous scoring chances we were playing the way that you should have been playing the game and then pretty much as soon as Carolina establishes pressure in our zone defensive breakdown that pass happens we can't get in those lanes one timer goes in I'm not going to put all the blame on Allmark but what I will say is if Tuka Rask is in the net I think he makes that save and I think that's where Bruce Cassidy is coming from is like At a time like that where you had all the pressure and you had all the momentum and you you started the game exactly how you drew it up, you know, in in the pregame and in practice leading up to that game, you were executing all but scoring a goal pretty much, right? I would call that those first few minutes perfect, all but putting the puck in the back of the net. And then the one time that, you know, Carolina catches you on a change or they catch you at the end of the shift tired, you're giving up one of their first shots. I think it was like they had three or four shots and they already had a goal. Whereas
0: You're dead on. That was their fourth shot.
1: Their fourth shot. Yeah. Whereas we had close to to eight or nine and, and couldn't bury it, which yes, you have issues scoring in the series too, which I'll get to a little bit later, but that for me is the most apparent thing. It was every time Carolina went into the zone, it's like, you're holding your breath. Like let's not let them shoot. Cause if they do, I'm not totally confident that that puck isn't going in the net.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's two things that you notice right off the bat on that goal. First off, really bad job of getting the puck out. You have a guy pinched right at the corner. He's right next to the blue line, like you literally move the guy a foot and he's, you know, you've cleared the zone. Um, and he manages to get the pass off the boards. It deflects off of your guy who's coming the other way, trying to get, uh, into the neutral zone. And then you, you aren't able to control the puck. So it ends up falling back to Carolina and then you have them three on four and you're sitting back, right? Like you, you have to identify the fact that you have numbers in your zone, right? Like it's just, it, to me, it's inexcusable to look at that. And then, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, I don't know what all looking at to me there's no, like he, you don't see the puck go in, right? Like he swallows it, he's there, right? And it gets yeah. through like that to yeah. me, is not a goal that, I mean, he's got to get outstretched on that. There's no, right. it, it, his arms too close to his body on that. And I get not wanting it to squeeze in between your arm, but you're, you're trying to move left to right on a one timer. You really, like you need to get as Far across as you can. And the best way to do that is stick out your stick. Get you trying to make a blocker save.
1: Yeah. No, um, I agree. Like, and it's weird to me a lot of Bruins fans defending All Mark on goals like that, saying, Well, that's just a tic-tac-toe play from Carolina. That's just they did it exactly how they drew it up. Uh, that's a great shot, that's a well-placed shot, which all true, but you know, these, this is coming from the same fans who, when Tuka Rask would give up one or two goals in a playoff game would be calling for his fucking head. Right. You know, you got, you got all who's given up 10 goals in two games and you've got people who still want to back him for game three. It's, it's a very odd dynamic. I understand that Carolina is a great team and they have an explosive offense and you go back and you look at the goals that they're scoring and and they're well-placed shots, but I just think at the end of the day, you need to make a save, and his biggest problem is he's just very prone to the snowball effect. Right? It's like one goes in, while the next one's going in too, and then the next one, and then the next one. And all of a sudden, we're down four-one. Like we're down 3-0 at the end of the period. Like, see, or you know, at the very beginning of the second period, it seems like an insurmountable lead at that point, which it ended up being. Um, and I think that's where Cassie's coming from. You just need a timely save, and you haven't gotten that. Um, you haven't gotten that yet. So. I understand the move to Swayman. I would have considered doing it midway through the game last night to try and spark some sort of reaction. You know, if you were going to change the the offensive lines and the pairings, why not? Why not just go wholesale? You're already down by a pair of goals, you know, if not more at that point. Um, it's clear that all Mark has no confidence in himself. I would have considered making the change, but um, I think it has to happen for game three. I'm just, I'm a fan of, even if your goalie's not the issue, if you're down 2 0 and you're not playing well, that's where it starts. Just change yeah. the goalie, just get some sort of reaction out of these guys, and let's get a fucking win. You know, yeah, the so. only
0: thing that I would have with changing in between is, like you said, with how quickly that third goal was scored. I'm not bringing Swayman in in a 3 0 game when we're already getting shlacked and we already look like shit. Right, like, yeah, I agree with that. To me, it was just it was already a situation of like, if we want to have success in the future, we just have to already chalk this. Like, obviously, you're not chalking up a game to a loss a minute into the second period. I mean, I don't care how many goals you're down. Um, but you don't want you're already kind of looking at that game like, all right, how do we salvage this? I don't want to put in a rookie goaltender who has zero playoff experience into a game where we're already trying to say, how the fuck do we win this game, right? Like that's just not the right way to start off his playoff career. And so I feel like it, it, it it's definitely the right move to put in to start a game as opposed to throw him in, in the middle.
1: Agreed. Yeah, definitely. Um, on the topic of lineup changes coming for next game, we had some pretty key injuries in the game last night. Hampus Lindholm, Anti Ronta, both pretty um, significant injuries that had major impacts on that game, both, in my mind, turning points in momentum at different times of the game. Let's start with the Ronta hit. Um, What did you make of the the whole situation itself to to reduce it from five to two and Ronta not coming back in that game?
0: I thought reducing it from five to two was – the right decision. I felt like it was a bad hit. Um, You know, I have my own feelings about goalies playing the puck outside of the crease and outside, you know, of the net mouth area. Um, And, you know, I I happen to be of the belief that if you're a goalie and you're going to step outside of your crease to play a puck, you should be treated as a skater because you're accepting the risk of, you know, being outside of your crease. You're, that's not a protected area to me. That, Like, I think that hits on goaltenders. You know, I, I, I should say hits on goaltenders because then you're going to have guys that are purposely trying to take them out. But like contact or an aggressive physical play on a goaltender that's not excessive should be allowed when they're playing the puck outside of the crease. So in my mind, fine. The issue I take is you know, pasta with the way he's coming in, he's coming in fast. And then, you know, he tried, th- this is the reason why I think that it was good that they dropped it from five to two. You can see that he's trying to turn to block the clearing attempt by Ranta. And that, I, I think he got caught up on his other skate or caught up on his other leg a little bit. And so he kind of lost his balance. And so to me, I think the two for making contact incidentally with the goaltender, is warranted and that it was good that they brought down from the five, because in that sense, it was accidental The thing that then there are two things that kind of get me with the hit. First off pasta outstretching his arms a little bit to make that contact with the head that didn't sit well with me. And I was actually um a little bit annoyed that the two fines that were given after the two punishments, the only two punishments given in the outcome of this game were marshand or $5,000, which is the maximum, um, for slashing the goaltender. We're not going to fine him for cross-checking the guy in the back, but because he whacked him in the leg, in the massive leg pad, we're going to call that a bad act after he was slashed first? Like, that to me doesn't make any sense. People were like, you know, there were people in the comments complaining about um, Sveshnikov not getting disciplined at all. Um, and then one of the responses was that was a clean hit, but slashing the goaltender is dirty slashing the goaltender. When he's standing up in the (laughs) leg pad, the leg pads are literally made to withstand a hundred mile an hour puck getting thrown at him. Like fuck out of here with the, it's a dirty play to slash the goaltender who's standing and already slashed you. All right. Like that's ridiculous. But you know, the, I thought that if anyone should have gotten penalized, it should have been pasta because he reaches out. And, you know, I think pretty clearly extends his arms to make the contact. I was the the second thing that I was confused about. I was really surprised that Ronta had to leave the game. I didn't think he got hit all that hard. I initially thought he flopped pretty badly. But like I'm he pasta must have just hit him perfectly for him to, you you know, to have to had to to leave leave that game. And then obviously he's like actually injured because there's doubt as to whether or not he plays game three. Right. So that's
1: that's where I take issue is they asked Rod Brindemore after the game if it was concussion related. And he said no, firmly said no concussion. Like that's not even in the picture.
0: Right. He's not the, in the only protocol. The yeah.
1: only apparent injury that I saw was the bleeding, um, which was not all that severe. Um, I was a little shocked that he didn't come back into the game at all. I'm with you. I think it was a little exaggerated trying to sell the call because, mm. hey, I mean, if I'm in his position, I'm doing the same thing, right? Right, exactly. One of the, one of the other team's best players has the potential to get five in a game here. Like, I'm going to sell it. Um, and the way he threw his helmet off and everything, it was it was very odd. The whole situation was odd. What not a lot of people are are talking about, which I may be off, but I think I'm pretty right here, and I immediately picked up on this was, I believe that that was a designed play by the Bruins. They've done this before where back when Tori Krug was on the team on the power play, I remember specifically a game against the Flames. They dumped the puck in a hard dump in, in that corner and send pasta, mm-hmm. right? And he'd be in alone on a breakaway. So Krug, you know, he'd have that powerful fucking slap shot would cross over the red line, fire it in. Like he's just going for the dump and chase. And they'd send pasta on like a wheel route almost to pick the puck up off the deflection. He'd be in alone. As soon as I forget who it was that shot it, maybe McAvoy or somebody on that power play. Cause we were on the power play. Um, right. Whoever shot it in, I immediately said to the kid next to me, I go, this is, they've done this before. There's a design play. Cause I was like, you know, Game one, you had trouble entering the zone on the power play. That's the perfect scenario right there is you run a design play um, to put yourself in a chance to score. And I actually thought Foster was going to pick the puck up and put it in and we would have the goal. And never before when the Bruins have run that play has the goalie come out and challenged the skater for the 50, 50 puck. That's what Ronza did. The puck kind of squirts out to Ronza a little bit. So he goes out to play it. And then at that point, I see posture Dog, who was hustling into the zone His all his momentum is going right after that puck. He has the opportunity to block it. He can try and like wheel, you know, circle around the net and get out of the way he can try and go stick on stick with Ranta. I think it was just, he wasn't expecting Ranta to come out and play that puck and just wrong place, wrong time. I did. I was a little. um, What's the word I'm like confused as to why he put his hands up, Uh, in the manner that he did. Some people were saying it was just a really fluky situation. Others were saying he was going after Ronta. Regardless, I'd call it incidental contact. Um, I agree. I think that's the one thing the officials got right last night was reducing that from five to two. Um, Yeah, obviously, you knock the goalie down when he's playing the puck. That's a penalty. Uh, You can argue that he was playing it outside of his crease, but, I mean, Ronta's body was still in the crease. The puck wasn't. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's nothing more, nothing less, just a two minute roughing penalty and, and that's it. Um, but I, I, I just, I don't understand why, why we're still doubting Ronta's status for next game. I just don't see the injury.
0: Yeah, the only thing I can think of is that he broke his nose. I feel like there'd be
1: more blood there, or maybe. But there, also the contact was not that malicious. It that, looked yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Like, that's
0: what's so confusing to me is like I don't understand how he ends up bleeding in his face after that. Like, I, like it, the the thing is, is like the the reason why I question. Granted, I have never put on an actual goalie helmet before, right? I feel like there's got to be more padding. In that and and like the 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 face mask itself can't be making too much contact with your face because if it was, every shot off the dome is gonna hurt like a motherfucker and you're just gonna die right like you're just gonna fall. So like I feel like there's got to be at least some extra padding there to the point where like I don't feel like Pasta running into him and making the contact of the face like should have done more damage than a puck would if it hit you directly in the cage. Um. So that was what was weird to me. But like honestly, like it, to, to me, it's entirely plausible that like, you know, like broken nose feel just like the way there where the blood was coming from makes the most sense to me. But like, dude, it it's just so weird. Cause if he's not in the concussion protocol, like the, the only thing we can think of is a broken nose or maybe he, like, dislocated his jaw or something. And so, like, maybe the blood was coming from his mouth and, like, maybe, you know, he, like, bit his cheek or his tongue or something when yeah. that happened. Um It's, like, maybe that's it. It's, like, a, a jaw, you know, whatever. But, like, dude, it's the fucking playoffs. Like, Zidane O'Chara literally played an entire playoff series, essentially, or, like, three games, right? I, I forget, it, with, with a wired shut jaw. Five, six, seven. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what, like, what are we talking about? 2013
1: dude? Patrice Bergeron put, uh, punctured long, like literally a punctured long for almost the
0: entire playoffs.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I, I said it then I was like, I, I thought maybe he would leave get stitched up and come back. And then when he didn't come back, I was like, well, maybe there's riding this kid's momentum for the rest of this game, but never did it cross my mind that there was a potential for him to be out next game. Uh, or have a significant injury that was going to keep him out for multiple games. But I don't know. At the end of the day, only he and the hurricanes know what's going on. And we probably will not know the whole situation until after the series or after the playoffs. So it's just conjecture at this point, but someone we know for sure who is out game three, Hampus Lindholm. Did you think the hit was dirty or clean? So, I say
0: dirty because I haven't seen an angle that shows me contact other than shoulder directly to chin or head. Like if you've seen a different angle, then let me know. But from the angles I have seen, I see a player making a hit that is not intending to play the puck and he's making direct shoulder contact to the head and nearly leaves his feet. Like I don't if he left his feet, it was by like a centimeter. Like it wasn't enough to like justify like a Cronwall game seven suspension type hit, but like, I still thought it was at least, you know, penalty worthy and um, at least getting looked at by the department of player safety. Cause to every angle I saw made it seem to me like it was direct shoulder contact to the head. Now, if someone has a different angle that shows that it was shoulder contact to the chest, I will say it's not a dirty hit, but to me, it doesn't make sense that Lindholm ends up with what we assume is a concussion from that hit if it's anything other than direct shoulder contact to the
1: head. I'm with you. Um, initially, when I saw it live, I thought clean. I thought blistering fucking hit, but it was clean. Yeah. Probably the biggest hit I'd seen in person. That they, It was just malicious. Um, the the I, biggest hit I, that I, th-
0: I ever saw in person was Tori Krug against the Blues.
1: See, I think that's just like a – that was a bigger momentum hit because yeah. of the moment, but this one, like, you you heard it. It was like that that crunch sound that you hear in big football. It's like yeah. not fun. Plus, we were right there, too. Like, my seats were right down there. So, we, were, we heard it, and it was bad. Um, but I thought it was clean. I thought Lindholm had the puck. When I first saw it, I thought it was clean. I thought Lindholm had the puck. Obviously, it was scary when he just stayed down. Um, and I don't like special call I think he's a dirty player, but I, I said, you know what? I, I don't know that that's a dirty hit, but as soon as they put the replay on the scoreboard, I was like, starts with contact to the head, finishes with contact to the head. Lindholm is <clears throat> down on the ice hurt, not just like shaken up. He's out. Right. He couldn't stand up on his own. And then a fight ensues after that, which I'll get into later everything about that hit to me was at least a penalty, right? Like how you can't at least call a minor penalty on that um, is beyond me. And I get that people, I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying that they did not want a call because they thought it would be a reactionary call because of the magnitude of the hit and Lindholm being hurt, but that it was clean. Call me a homer, but I don't see it as a clean hit. I just don't. I think that's a dirty hit with intent to injure. And he did. He successfully knocked Lindholm out of game two and game three. Lindholm is a 25 plus minute guy. He played 13 last night. He's probably done for the series. Um, So I don't know. I I would have liked the department of player safety to take a look at it, but then again, there's just no consistency anywhere, right? You see that hit in Toronto, get one game. You see the, the hit in New York get no games. So it's like, if that got one in the, rangers penguins one got none then how can you realistically justify giving sveshnikov any time so i mean i i just would have liked to see a penalty called at least um which brings me to my next point after that scrum ensued the bruins found themselves shorthanded after how blow up hit by sveshnikov that knocks a defenseman out of the game we somehow found ourselves shorthanded which was a recurring theme all throughout the night. That The game was getting physical. The refs were losing control of the game early on. As soon as the posture knock collision happened with Ranta, the refs lost control of that game. Scrums happening after every whistle. 50-50. You cannot say that it was started by Boston. It was instigated by Boston. It was finished by Boston. It wasn't. It was 50-50. You had players going at it, chirping each other, a little fucking stick action and love taps that would turn into bigger scrums that ensued. And the recurring theme was that the Hurricanes were not getting penalized for any of that, and the Bruins were. And I don't want to sit here and blame the refs for the loss because I don't think that the Bruins played well enough to deserve the win. But I will say that when you're down 2 0 after the first period, it's fucking hard to try and come back when you spend the next 40 minutes playing shorthanded hockey. Five on three, mind you. They start the second period. Five on three. After after a scrum after the buzzer that was one thousand percent mutual. Both it was like Martian and Carlo and someone else was in there, and then you have Svechnikov and Tony D'Angelo and Vinny Trocek, all those fucking douchebags. They're both going after it. How we started the period five on three, I'll never understand. And that's where it comes back to the consistency. We've been saying this since twenty nineteen on this podcast that there's no consistency across the league in the officiating at all, none at all. I can point to numerous times last night where I thought there should have been penalties called on the Hurricanes. I can point to numerous times last night where I thought there shouldn't have been penalties called on the Bruins. Some soft fucking calls. The DeBrusque cross-check after what should have been a Svechnikov five-minute major and a game misconduct for leg-checking Charlie McAvoy, and we somehow end up shorthanded. The fucking Derek Forbort- hooking holding whatever call with a little ticky tack stick work that should never have been called the hurricanes go and they score numerous times last night the bruins were getting penalized for pretty much everything that they were doing uh and the hurricanes weren't and there's just no consistency there's none i'd like to see more and there's none.
0: To so i don't take issue with the four more call simply because it's a good play by aho and he beat i just think in a
1: playoff right? game at that point of the game if you're gonna call it tight like that call it both ways but don't yeah. just throw ticky tack calls against yeah, the I Bruins mean, for no fucking reason
0: it, my thing with that is Bruce didn't um take issue with it and he in fact praised Aho for the play um so t- to me that's why I don't you know I don't really care about that call I mean at that point the game pretty much over anyway um and you know, going back to the Sveshnikov hit on McAvoy, I saw a a lot of people saying that he didn't see him. And apparently both the ESPN and Nesson broadcasts thought it was unintentional. I don't know what about watching that play makes people think that was unintentional. There is not a chance in hell that Sveshnikov didn't see McAvoy on that. Well, Well, the
1: puck was on the other side of the ice too. So like you have no case to back Sveshnikov there. When Charlie McAvoy is coming from his side defensively over into the play and Svechnikov's just over there mirroring McAvoy, you have no case to make to back Svechnikov there. He had no business being over
0: there. Like, you can make, like, to me, it makes sense that people are like, McAvoy didn't see him, right? Because McAvoy's head never really crosses where Svechnikov is, but Svechnikov starts with his back to McAvoy. Then turns all the way and ends up facing to the b- close to the corner slash boards on the right side of McVoy, right? So his head, by definition, has to come all the way around, have a view like his line of vision had to have crossed McVoy before the contact, right? And you can see that there's a good 20 feet of distance well before the play happens where it feels like they're coming together. Uh, To me, there's just – I don't understand how – like, we need fucking Chris Wagner. Put goddamn Chris Wagner into the lineup. Sign Adam McQuaid out of retirement. Get me somebody. (laughs) I don't care how slow they are. I don't care if you have to get fucking old man Sean Thornton out there on goddamn crutches. Put him in a wheelchair for all I care. Get somebody out there who's going to fight, who's going to play physical. We're getting outplayed physically. That can't happen. This is the boss. Well, the other world. thing
1: too, is it's, it's hard to try and adapt that physical mentality. When you have a Svechnikov go after McAvoy like that, Jake debrus goes to try and answer the bell and we get penalized and right. not Svechnikov. There's kind of an unwritten rule. When I was teaching Emma, the rules of hockey, did I not tell you about answering the bell?
0: Yes.
1: Yes. Emma says, yes you got to answer the fucking bell. There's an unwritten rule in hockey. If you're going to go after one of our better players, you better be ready to fucking answer that. And when Sveshnikov turtles, when Debrusk goes over and tries to fight him and we get the penalty, the referees should immediately acknowledge that that's a minor miss, right? Both of them minor rough. Get Give give DeBrusque an instigation. Sure, I don't care. Give him the 10 minute, but don't just penalize the Bruins and make us shorthand. I've always been of the belief That if there's a scrum going on or some sort of situation like that where you've got a player who's trying to stick up for another player, that it should always be a minor rough. In most cases, most cases in those situations, you should both get a minor, a matching penalty, right? You have Svechnikov who goes after our best player. Debrus stands up for him. Svechnikov doesn't want to go. It's like when you're playing EA Sports NHL, when you try and fight the one guy and the other guy doesn't want to. They both yeah. get minor roughing penalties, right? Right. So, yeah, you fuck the other guy over, but hey, if you're going to play like that, that's how it's going to go. So yeah,
0: it should be I, it should be either matching penalties or no penalties at all, or none at
1: all. Sure, I'd go like, with that if, either. But if, like if, the if Bruins
0: backing up a guy who got hit and appears to be hurt. That's the other thing that you have to specify in that. It's one thing if you know, like there's that play where Marchand gets rocked by Suban back when Suban's in Montreal. Um, right? Like that's just a clean hit, right? Yeah. On a star player, it's a clean hit. It's a rough hit, but Marshan's not hurt, right? He immediately gets up and goes back to the bench, but Suban doesn't, you know, face any consequences for that because he doesn't need to, right? It's a clean hit. It's a big one, but it's clean and there's no injury, right? With this, even if you want to call these clean hits, it causes injury and it's a big contact. You cannot expect for a guy to go down apparently injured and not face consequences for hitting him. If you cause the injury, I don't see like, like, what are we doing here? Oh, yeah. Are we not supposed to expect the guy? Like you really, as a referee, you're supposed to, you're expecting the guys on the Bruins just sit there and watch as their guy who's wearing a fucking letter yep. gets taken out. Now granted McAvoy stays in the game, but for a
1: second there, I thought he tore his ACL. Well, and the other thing too was, I saw a lot of people, a lot of Hurricanes fans around me saying, justifying this play, try, trying to call it an incidental collision, saying, like, why would Svechnikov put himself in that position? He is at just as much risk for a knee injury or a leg injury as McAvoy is in that position. But I'm sitting there like, "What? why wouldn't he? he? He has a reputation. This isn't, yeah, he's a great player. He's, he's a very skillful, very talented young player. Go back to the days in Washington when he was fucking poking at alexander ovechkin right special has built himself a reputation as kind of a dirty player right so i wouldn't put it past him to throw a slew foot on charlie mcavoy i didn't put it past him when he buried Hampus lindholm right it's the kind of player that he's built himself to be so you sit there and you say like why would he put himself in that position why the fuck wouldn't he to try and take out one of the bruins players he definitely would i wouldn't put it past him to try and do that and it was pathetic when after that collision happened that Sveshnikov was actually reaching for his leg and like trying to trying to mimic the whole, you know, like, oh, I'm hurt too. This was an incidental collision. Like Charlie McAvoy got the worst of that, call it a collision. Yeah, whatever. Got the worst of that exchange. And it was laughable that Sveshnikov was actually trying to act like he at all hurt himself. Um, That was pathetic. But yeah, moving forward, I'd love to see more consistency. Because you know that this is a physical series with a lot of tension and a lot of blood boiling over between these these two teams. They've seen each other in the postseason a lot of times before, especially in recent history, 2019-2020. So the refs have to just get control of that. And if you're going to call the the penalties for roughing and unsportsmanlike conduct, then it's got to be both ways. And I'm hoping as the series shifts back to Boston that we're going to get some sort of, you know, break from the officials and some sort of, you know, home, home ice, you know, favorable treatment, whatever. But
0: to me, it's just, this is back to back playoff series now where we're sitting here and we're complaining about the refs and it's annoying. I I think it's more than back
1: to back. I I mean, I know that I'm one to complain about everything, but I I, I feel like I've been complaining about the refs for a long time. It's
0: probably more than that, but I like, it's two series back to back where it feels like, we're complaining more about the refs and it feels like the refs are more of a discussion. I'd so much rather be sitting here, just talking about the game, like, right. like let the dudes play. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. The, and it's in so this situation, as a fan to sit there and watch this game and be like, our team's getting absolutely shellacked, but I can't even worry about how badly we're being shellacked because I'm too busy worrying about whether or not we're going to get fucked by the refs.
1: Right. Yeah. And uh, you can't sit here and say that it was, a thousand percent on the refs because no, those calls didn't start getting made until we were down two, nothing, three, nothing, four, one, you know, but I will say we've seen the Bruins are capable of some comebacks, especially in the postseason. It's real hard to do that when, when you're playing five on three hockey, you know, when you're in your own end on the on the penalty kill and you don't have trust in your goaltender who's already let up three, you're already in a downward spiral as a team. It's just, you know, the, The the stars are not aligning for any sort of comeback in that situation, where I'd just like to have a fighting chance. That's what I kept saying. I was like, "Look, we're probably not going to come back and win this game, but like we got to at least have a chance, right? You know, we can't spend the whole game in the box, and that's not all on the refs. There were some dumb penalties that were taken. Yeah, I don't think Marshanso slashed the goalie. He was obviously instigated, and the goalie was was giving it to him. I don't think he should have slashed him, but he did." Um, and that was one of the instances where they did call a matching. And the kid that I was with said, like, oh, if only Marshan hadn't slashed him. But then I'm also sitting there saying, if Marshan hadn't slashed him, I don't think anything gets called. I, I, I wouldn't sit there and think the Bruins were going on the power play had Marshan not reacted. I legitimately think that the refs were just going to separate the two and let it happen. Right. I mean, do you have confidence in saying that after the goalie gave him two shoves, that he was going to go to, they were going to give Carolina a penalty and not Boston?
0: No, not at all.
1: No, I think it took Brad Marchand giving him a little two hand to get both of them well, to go.
0: To, to me, to me, like Marchand, what the fuck are you doing cross checking him in the first place? Right. Uh like the second i saw it in real time i was like dude what are we like and i am the biggest Marchand supporter like I, I think that he's never done a single thing wrong but that like i was like dude like what you know who you are you know how many times you've been fined and suspended what like what what possesses you to think that's a normal play to make
1: i don't I, I don't know we know that he doesn't necessarily have all that level of a head but you yeah, no i don't think he should have done it but i'm also just saying that like more on the refs like do you think they would have called the goalie for going after him probably not unless Martian gives it back to him
0: no but i mean even if they did call it on the goalie i feel like even without Martian slashing him back um that it was going to end up being matching anyway because Martian instigates it right Martian cross checked yeah.
1: him in the back it's a bad play yeah no i agree
0: I don't know. See, I want to
1: see more consistency. That's all I want. I just want more yeah. consistency going forward. I'm not right, saying I would call just love to watch on. a
0: game and not once think
1: about the refs. Right. Like, and they shouldn't make themselves a part of the story and a part of the narrative, even in a game like that, where you think that you can, I get that they were trying to regain control, but it was so lopsided last night. And it was just so obvious that every single call was going against Boston. I mean, you you couldn't sit there and and pretend otherwise. And the audacity of the Hurricanes fans behind us to try and complain about the refs. These fans suck. I'm sorry, but they suck. They complain about every single time one of their players gets touched, they complain. And then you've got fucking Svechnikov who's burying Lindholm and they're cheering and clapping when Lindholm's getting carried off the ice. He's under, he can't even skate off on his own power and they're clapping and cheering and laughing about it. Really, really shitty fans down here. I just, I understand that it's playoff hockey and that everybody's trying to get under everybody's skin, really obnoxious fans. I would, I would so much rather the, the Montreal's and the Toronto's and the New York's, like I've said in the past, these fans fucking suck down here. I can't stand these people. It's just, it's, it's infuriating. I said after game two, I go, I don't want to go back. It's not an enjoyable experience in that building. I didn't want to go back after game one after being physically assaulted. And then once again, I had people putting their hands on me last night and it became an issue once again. You know, the guy behind me kept hitting my hat like this the whole game. Um and finally his his girlfriend or whatever like had to tell him to stop. I kept like pitching him shit when he do he'd do it every time. I wasn't gonna put my hands on him um, because he, even though he kept flicking my hat, it was just annoying. It's clear that he was trying to be a hot shot. He's like fucking again, like ragtail haircut, kind of looked like meatloaf. And I asked his girlfriend or partner whatever whatever she was to him. I go, I go, are, are, are you are are you two like involved romantically? She goes, yeah. I go, you can do way better. That's what I said to her. And then I kept telling her that I was like, you still have time. Don't worry, you still have time. Like this isn't the one for you. And then when we so when we left funny. the game, I go, if you two get married, invite me to the wedding. I want to be there. <laughs> So, yeah, she was all right, um, but the whole section just giving it to us the whole time. So I, I fucking hate these fans. I fucking hate these refs. I hate this team. It is what it is. We're shifting back to Boston. Talking about game three, my biggest key to game three, I'll put this out there so we don't go too, too long over time, because um, these are meant to be shorter episodes, uh, but my biggest key to game three, you can't play from behind. It just okay. seems like this team does not have the quality that we've seen Bruins teams have in the past where they can just get it together and play from behind. Uh, they get down one goal and it they just, I don't know, it, it just seems like they get hung up on bad balances, bad calls and mistakes, right? Like even a one goal lead seems like a fucking Everest There's to the them. Body right? Or language. a one goal deficit. Awful. Oh my
0: God. I mean... This is shit that they used to address with us on JV basketball. Like right. Like I it, it's it's unbelievable to me that we're sitting here and I'm thinking to myself like on like you know I'm I'm one to be very um expressive in my emotions when I'm playing sports. That's, you know, for sure. Yep, likewise. But if you are a professional athlete and your team gives up a goal, like I see it with Chuck all the time, like it almost looks like he's throwing a tantrum. Like it's just bad. Like yep. you can't you can't be wearing a letter and and have body language like that. Like Marsh, you know, I see Marshan or Bergeron, right? Like they stay sh- standing straight up, and they might kind of just do one of these where it's like you know you get. um you know you give up a goal and you just kind of shake your head like to the right a little bit like you give that little like tilt and you've got like an expression of like fuck we just gave up a goal but then you stand straight up and you're good like you keep going they just there's not enough of that on the team
1: no it's it literally seems like they're getting caught up in the little things you know some things you don't have control over right but both games won in game two. They were almost identical scenarios. They came out firing, right? They had pressure. They were getting chances. They were getting shots to the net. They were pretty much playing, I'd say, 90% of the beginning of the game in the Carolinas, uh, in Carolina zone, right? I think they pretty much had all the pressure cycling the puck well. They were on the fly changes, but keeping the puck in the zone, right? They really, there was no break in their stride at all there was a lot of rhythm there was a lot of crisp passes and right away they were getting shots and they almost scored both games and then it took one defensive breakdown one time the carolina catches us on a change and they score a quick goal right and then two minutes later they come in and they get a tip right they get a bad deflection right it goes in you're down two nothing it was like deja vu from game one sitting there last night again where like you came out firing one little mistake in Carolina capitalized. And then you were like, the chips are down. We're, we're fucking playing from behind again. Um, And then it's like, they're in their own heads. You let another fucking deflection go in. And I get that it's tough to stop a deflecting puck, but I mean, come on, the thing bouncing between like 70 different players. We can't find a way to clear the front of the net. We can't find a way to get that puck away from the front of the net. It's in the back of the net. And then it's like, all right, you're down two and you're not showing me anything, right? They're playing with no sense of urgency. I've seen very little moments of desperation and urgency. Like towards the end of the game last night, they showed a little bit of life um, when they pulled the goalie and they got the power play. But even then, right, you were six on four and you couldn't do anything with it. Um I just think back to the Islanders series last year, game two. You were down two goals in the third period, um, with about nine and a half eight minutes left and you came back like that tied the game at three granted they end up losing in overtime but it was like it was like no problem for that offense send fucking marshan's line out send that power play one unit out we're gonna go and get a goal right it was crisp passes it was clean hockey it was clean zone entries it was fast paced it was drawn up well seems like there's none of that it's like if this team isn't playing with a lead then you know you're shit out of luck so God, I hope they score first tomorrow night because they cannot play from behind. They've they've proven it time and time again that they suck when they're playing from behind. So you got to just score first. You have to. You have to score first and ride the momentum in that building. That's my biggest key to the game. And I don't have anything else. Um, Just get a fucking lead and hold on to that thing like there's no tomorrow. Win game three. Don't even worry about winning game four. Just win the first one. And then we'll worry about game four when we get there. But if you're going to come back in the series, you got to just win the first one. So win game three. That's all I want, you know?
0: Yeah, I I want them to play better physically and have clean zone entries. That's what I want. I want them to play better physically, but not outside of themselves, right? Like, I don't want them to be looking for the hits. They need to be taking them when they can. Right. Um, And, you know, I think that, they need a lineup change, and obviously he tried to change up the lines. That didn't work. Someone's got to get pulled, and you have to add someone in new. And I think that the best thing to do right now, is, and you know, obviously the back end's getting changed because there's no Lindholm, so you're probably going to see Riley in Game Three. Um, you, you have to put in Wagner. Wagner, yeah, like, I agree. Like I don't. I don't want to like, I don't mean to say that like Wagner is going to be some Messiah for the team. Right. But, you know, I, I don't expect him to score any goals. I don't expect him to have any points, but there's something about Wagner that injects energy into the lineup and he plays extremely well physically. It seems like he, you know, randomly gets opportunities like we just need we need energy from the fourth line. And I think the best way to do it is to throw Wagner into the lineup. Get him in the lineup, let him play physically, let let the other guys on the team not have to think about it, you know?
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I've been calling for that for a while. I think we got to put him in the lineup. Um, I think it's clear that Frederick's done. He got benched last night, he only played six minutes. Um, so I I think you're gonna see some major changes, especially now that Lindholm's out. You gotta assume that Frederick's out. Um and I don't, I, I don't know. Would you, would you break up the, the top two lines? It didn't work. It it didn't work. So you would, you would keep it as non-perfection line. You would keep it original with.
0: Yes. I would keep because I don't think DeBrusque works well with Hall and Howlow. Like I don't like, I, I'm not saying that is like a knock on DeBrusque. I just don't feel like they mesh. Like I no, don't really and I, I think DeBrusque
1: has been playing his best hockey on that top line. I don't think right. he's the issue. Here's what I'd consider, because I think your best player has been Taylor Hall so far. I still am sticking by that in games one and two, he's been your best player. I'd consider dropping Hall up. Interesting. So he's been a little bit of a liability. He had that turnover that sparked the first goal last night. Um, I don't necessarily, I haven't seen much from him like I have in the regular season, but I don't know. What do you think? Well, so when you
0: say drop Hall, are you moving Coil up to the second line?
1: I was thinking either Coil or an unorthodox move and move Craig Smith up because Smith has played with Hall before.
0: Right, but then who's your center?
1: I'd have Smith take face offs probably. That's things you don't have a face off guy on that in that three. Yeah,
0: that's that. I don't like. I I would have been okay with that in the regular season. I don't like. Playing around with the center position in the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's it's true. Too, it's too important to have. An Here's the thing: I want to
1: see Smith and Hall get together somehow. Because look, Craig Smith showed up in the playoffs last year, right? He's been cold, but he showed up in the playoffs last year. I don't think his line mates are necessarily giving him any help, and I don't think Taylor Hall's line mates are giving him any. Help. Yeah, I mean, so the only
0: the I don't know that it's possible that you can get Smith with Hall is if you break up the second line entirely and go Hall, Coyle, Smith, Bergeron, Martian, and Pasta is your first line. And then your third line is going to end up being the way that DeBrusque. the line was last night. It would be Frederick DeBrusque, Holla, with DeBrusque Wagner. and yeah. But I would prefer to have Wagner in there. And then either, either
1: I would either, Hmm. How would I do this? Okay, because so this I'm... is how I drew it up. Let's let's say that my Smith thing doesn't happen. I mean, it's just a wish list. I said Marshan Bergeron DeBrusque, and then I'm going to go back to the original Pasternak, Halla Hall, mm-hmm. Smith, Coyle, Wagner, No Nosek, Lazar.
0: Yeah. So what what I think would be best is. Marchand, Bergeron, Pasta. In, in the event that we're assuming that we want to get Smith and Hall together. Right. Marchand, Bergeron, Pasta. Then either Hall, Howler, Smith, or Hall, Coil, Smith. I don't really care who plays center on that line. Then I would say sick. Coil slash Halla Debrusque
1: and the fourth. Moving line, Wagner to the fourth.
0: Yeah. I think Wagner plays better on a fourth line. So the fourth yeah, line true, would then end up being Felino, Lazar, and Wagner. Yeah, and now that, that I think a a about it, fourth line. that's the thing.
1: I consider putting Hall and Smith together just to get a jump in offense because those are guys that can put the puck in the net. And that's something you haven't been able to do thus far. Taylor Hall has been knocking on the doorstep, and he's he's got a fire lit under his ass. Um, and I think Smith with the right line mates can match that energy level as well. And I think Taylor Hall needs a guy like Smith who's going to compliment him because usually Hall and Debrusque work well and Posternock work well together. But there's clearly something wrong with Posternock. I don't know what. He looks so lost out there. He does. Um, so it's just something to consider. But then again, that would mean a pretty drastic drop for Jake Debrusque. Who's been playing well, in my opinion, with Marsh and Bergeron. Um, and again, I don't know that you want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and change all the lines because then it's like these guys are playing with each other for the first time. Um, but you definitely need to spark something. Maybe that comes in starting Swayman, but you you need a spark somehow. So yeah, yeah.
0: I don't think starting Swayman's enough. You need to do something with the roster.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'll say this before I sign off. I posted this on the TBR story, but let me just let me just send this out to everybody to put everyone's minds at ease. 2011 Eastern Conference quarterfinals against the Montreal Canadiens. The Bruins dropped the first two games at home. Mind you, they're down 2-0 going into Montreal. They lost both games, one and two by two goals. And the narrative was the same. They can't figure out Carey Price. They can't score. This is not a team built for a deep playoff run. They don't have depth. We got to get rid of Claude Julien. We got to get rid of Peter Shirelli. We got to, you know, clean house, right? It's too many times now, too often that the Bruins have been bounced in the first round of the playoffs. They go up to Montreal in one of the toughest buildings to play in in the fucking globe. And they win both games. They go on to win that series in seven and they go on to win the Stanley Cup. So everyone just needs to and relax. This team is okay. We can win two games in Boston, and it starts by winning tomorrow night. I'm not going to give out a prediction for game three. I just want them to win. So give me a Bruins win. I don't care how it comes, what way, shape, or
0: form.
1: If you let up 10 goals tomorrow night and you score 11, hey, you won. So go out and win the fucking game, and then we got a Mother's Day matinee on Sunday. And we'll be back on Saturday for a podcast. Love to see it. That's all I've got.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping for Bruins win two, Bruins and six. Let's go. Beautiful. Love it. Sign us
1: off, and we'll see you on Saturday.
0: Yep, that is all for episode 112 of the Booth Review. And much like we hope the Bruins do in this series, want to flip it around, so we'll see you on the flipy flip side. Yeah, baby. In a white room with black
1: curtains near the station. Black roof country, no gold payments, tired star.